Welcome to Three Strands Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. At Three Strands, our mission is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. We're in the last part today of a series called Highlight Reel. We've been looking at the life of King David in the Bible, and we've picked out five different kind of stories to teach us some things from his life, good or bad, and how we can apply those areas to our life. And so if you have missed the previous four or one of those weeks, you're always welcome to go back and listen to the podcast and get caught up. Um, but today we're going to finish that up with a story that most of you are probably not familiar with, um, opposite kind of what we were last, last week. So let me start off by, by asking you a question. Have you ever um, prayed the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. A lot of us who grew up in church were taught the Lord's Prayer, and we have that, that memorized, but I don't know if we've ever really prayed that in a minute. Because it's difficult to pray that prayer if you're harboring resentment against maybe like a former spouse who you despise. I mean, do you really want God to forgive you the way you've forgiven the relative who cheated you out of thousands of dollars worth of your inheritance? Or, or when you still hold a grudge against a competitor who undermined you or an employee who stole money from you? I mean, how do we pray, God, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me? I mean, some people aren't even on speaking terms with other church members because of a disagreement that they had months ago. How can they pray, forgive me, God, the way I have forgiven them? For Carson's senior trip a couple years ago, uh, we went to Colorado, mainly just to watch the Dodgers and the Rockies play uh, at Coors Field. But along the way, we stopped at this memorial in Littleton, if you remember, uh, Columbine High School. Uh, most of you probably remember that's the scene of one of the worst school shootings in our nation's history that happened on April 20th back in 1999. But I was thinking while we were there uh, of the events that occurred, because I remember it like it was yesterday. But soon after that massacre occurred, there was discord and bitterness in that community of Littleton. There was resentment about distribution funds from the United Way. There was all kinds of discord about uh, what churches were doing. I remember that there were accusations even that the shootings were racially motivated. The lawsuits... Uh, against parents were filed of the two teens who murdered the other students. There was even controversy, I remember, over uh, which child was the real Christian martyr. Was it that girl or was it that girl, I remember. And a youth group back then of, of, uh, at a local Denver church planted, I remember, 15 trees in their church's prayer garden to honor the 13 victims who were killed, and also the two perpetrators who had died. But I remember there was two dads who were so angry and bitter and outraged that the church had even recognized the two killers that they marched into the church's garden and they cut down two of the trees. Guys, resentment is understandable when people who have been hurt very deeply. But resentment is lethal. It's lethal emotionally, it's lethal physically, and it's lethal spiritually. 
In Job chapter 5, verse 2, many of you know the story of Job. He said, surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. Job 18.4 talks about those who, who tear themselves to pieces in anger. In Job 36.13, it speaks of how the godless in heart harbor resentment. But you know, to some degree, we, we all struggle with resentment, don't we? I heard about a dad who came home to his five-year-old daughter, and she was really sad for some reason. And he looked at her and he said, sweetheart, what's wrong with you? And she said, well, I've been fighting with your wife all day. <laughs> some of us have battled with resentment since we were children. And guys, it has the potential to take us down. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Guys, holding on to anger, it's kind of like holding hot coals in our hands, and we're intending to throw them at somebody, but we're the ones getting burnt. So there was a story, this last one I want to share with you this morning, that made the highlight reel of King David's life. And it can teach us this morning, if you'll just listen to God's word, it can teach us how to have the grace to release resentment. Because that's what happened here in the life of King David. Um, we've already learned in this series, David was by no means a perfect man. But the Bible did say he was a man after God's own heart. He, he was a man who gives us some examples of how you and I ought to respond in certain situations. And there are three scenes that I want to share with us this morning uh, in the scriptures where David deals with a man named Shimei, okay, who had wounded him and he had hurt him deeply. deeply. And I want us to look briefly at those three scenes and I want us to learn about a grace that can teach us to forgive as you and I would want God to forgive us as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. So let's just jump right in. The first scene is in 2 Samuel 16. If you want to follow along in your Bible or the scriptures will be up on the, the screen. I'm sorry, no, we don't have the cliff notes, okay? We'll have to get those for you later next week, okay? So this first scene in 2 Samuel 16 is where David, he refuses to retaliate even though he was the victim of unfair treatment. Ever been there? Ever been the victim of unfair treatment? Okay, so was David. So let's jump right in. In, in verse 5, it says this. As King David came to Behurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. Just picture this in your head, okay? He's cursing them, and it was Shimei, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family, the Bible says. And so Shimei was personally attacking David at what was probably the lowest point in King David's life. What's going on here is David's son, Absalom, he was leading a revolt, trying to overthrow his father. And so to avoid fighting against his own son, David just packs up his things and, and vacates the palace. And I'm sure as he was leaving, he probably felt like a total failure at this point. And as he is evacuating, this guy named Shimei, who was a relative of Saul, which was David's predecessor, he just curses him along the road. Shouting profanities at him. And, Sh and Shimei had probably been harboring resentment ever since David had taken the throne from Saul. 
You know how it is in our country when one political party takes over the Oval Office. It angers them for years, the other party. Well, evidently Shimei had been angry for over two decades because he felt like that his relatives should be in office. Okay, And that would make him more powerful and it would make him more influential. And now that it appears David's finally on his way out, Shimei thinks, man, I'm going to let him have it. I've been angry at him for a long, long time. And so he just vents years of frustration and years of animosity by cursing David. And the Bible says even throwing stones at him as he walks out and leaves. And guys, if you've ever been the victim of verbal or physical abuse of any kind, you know how difficult it is not to be resentful. It's tough, isn't it? So Shimei is publicly humiliating the king. And look at verse 6. It says he threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Brave guy. You ever like washed your car, your vehicle, and you got it all shiny and cleaned up, right? The way you want it. And then kids come and like sling water balloons or, or something like that at it. You know, snowballs in the winter. You just ran it through the car wash and they sling snowballs. It's, it upsets you, doesn't it? It's irritating, okay? And it's hard enough to restrain yourself when you're alone. But this right here was done in public. It was right in front of David's troops. I mean, these troops were probably already upset with David for even leaving in the first place. For leaving Jerusalem and not standing up to his own son. And so Shimei, Shimei is challenging David's manhood right in front of his soldiers who are already a little disgusted with him. And I'm sure that had to be hard to take. That's difficult to swallow. And so Shimei falsely accuses David in this area that he's already somewhat sensitive. Look at verse 7. He says, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David, the Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, David. You are a murderer. And so Shimei is accusing David of, of overthrowing Saul against the will of God and then killing Saul's family members, which is almost totally untrue. Okay, David had waited until Saul was killed in battle and God put him on the throne then. And then David, not only after that, he protected Saul's grandson, uh, Mephibosheth. Remember that from week three? But it was true that some of David's troops had killed Ishbosheth, Saul's grandson. And, and though David didn't know about it at the time, and later on, he regretted it. But listen, it is difficult just to take it. When we are being attacked in an area where we're already a little vulnerable or a little uncertain, isn't it? Let's say that a, that a godly wife and mom, she's trying to, to tolerate her husband's unfaithfulness. And she warns him and she pleads with him and she finally gives him an ultimatum. But, but then he continues to be unfaithful. And so she divorces him reluctantly. She's always looking back, wondering if she could have done some things differently, you know. But she doesn't ever criticize the father to the children. And then years later, the children are all grown up. And they begin to blame her for splitting up the family. And it's difficult not to be resentful when you have that kind of accusation. 
Shimei is accusing David in an area where he's very sensitive. And he's obnoxiously just boasting about David's problems. You know, football players can be penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct if they taunt an opponent after making a big play. Well, Shimei is gloating over David's defeat, and he ought to be penalized in some way. I mean, he's just taunting him. And guys, it's difficult not to resent someone who just kicks you when you're already down. And they say things like, I told you not to marry that woman. I knew she was trouble from the first time I ever laid eyes on her. I told you not to go to that church. They don't even have a building. It's not even a real church. And besides, their pastor preaches in blue jeans. You should have known better than to quit your job and start that business. Now look at you. You're broke and and you're never going to amount to anything. How do we respond when somebody attacks our worth, our integrity, or they humiliate us in public? Well, most of us react like the Facebook post I read that said, wedding dress for sale, never worn, will trade for a 38 caliber pistol. We try to get even, don't we? That's how most of us respond. We try to get even. And King David's soldiers, they wanted to get even. They wanted to take Shimei out. Look at it in verse 9. They said, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zeruah, demanded. Let me go over there and cut off his head. So David still has the power to administer justice, but he responds with what I think is unbelievable restraint here. Look at verse 10. No, the king said, Who asked your opinion, you son of Zeruah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, then who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it feels like to me that David is so depressed that he's saying, listen, maybe I deserve what I'm getting. Maybe this is God's judgment on me. He's saying, you know what, I've I've made a lot of mistakes as a father. I've made a lot of mistakes as a king. And maybe this is just God punishing me for all of that. You know what, maybe if I just accept this punishment, some good things will happen to me in the future. But Shimei, he doesn't stop. I mean, he just continues to harass David, even though David had showed him grace. Look at it in verse 13. And so David and his men continued down the road. And Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David, the king. Listen, he's out of control now. He's just being a jerk. Let's just call it what it is. And you know what? That's what happens to us. When you and I allow pent-up anger to eventually be released. If you have harbored resentment and anger for days and weeks and months, eventually we'll lose control. 
Job said it. He said that people will tear themselves to pieces with anger. But David continued to ignore Shimei. And what I think is just an incredible act of grace, which I think is very deserving of making the highlight reel of his life. But there's a second scene I want to share with you in 2 Samuel chapter 19. And this is where we meet up with Shimei again. And, and David decides to forgive him, even though he's being advised not to. He's being advised to get revenge. And what happened is David's army defeated Absalom, and now they're coming back. Okay, so now they're returning to Jerusalem to reoccupy the palace. And look at it in verse 16. Here we meet him again. Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Berhurim in Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to what? To welcome King David. How about that? You're going to welcome him now. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be in Shimei's sandals right now, would you? I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. The worst case scenario has happened if you're him. The man that he taunted, the man that he ridiculed is back victorious. And he's the king. And so now, guess what? His life is in danger. Got to be shaken if you're in those sandals, right? Look at verse, uh, the second part of verse 18. It says, as the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him, I bet. My Lord, the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May, may the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned, he says. That's why I've come here today. The very first person of all of Israel to greet my Lord, the king. Very humble now, isn't he? Yeah, he's very humble here all of a sudden when the circumstances have changed. You ever met somebody like that? Have you ever had somebody apologize to you and you didn't really want them to? Maybe, maybe you kind of liked having that person as an enemy. And they offended you so badly that just saying that they're sorry, that's not enough for you. It wasn't enough. It doesn't feel like that it balances the scales sometimes, does it? Just an apology. So what's David advised to do? He's saying, they're saying, don't forgive him. Don't, don't accept the apology. Look at verse 21. Then Abishai, son of Zeruah, said, Shimei should die, for he cursed the Lord's anointed king. And you know, it's always good to throw a little God in there when you're seeking revenge, right? When you don't want to forgive and we want to seek revenge, just sprinkle a little God in there. It always makes it sound better. That's what's happening here. And believe it or not, when you and I are wronged, there will be people who love you, who shared in the hurt with you, who will say things to you like, you should sue them for everything they're worth. Get even. File a grievance. Send them that nasty text. They deserve it. Just ignore them forever. File for a divorce. And guys, it, it takes a lot of grace to do the opposite of worldly people's advice and just to humbly hear the word of God. Look at Colossians 3.13, which is the word of God here. What are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to make allowances for each other's faults. What else? 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Well, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? I know it is, but I'm telling you, that's what the Word of God says. And so what did David do? The king disregarded the advice he was given. And this moment of grace makes the highlight reel of his life. Why? Because of his forgiveness. Look at verse 22. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zeruah? Why have you become my adversary today? He said, this is not a day for execution. For today, I am once again the king of Israel. In other words, guys, he's saying, this is a day to celebrate, not retaliate. Let's celebrate. Come on. And then in verse 23, turning to Shimei, David looked at him and he vowed, your life will be spared. Your life will be spared. And the king let him go. Would you? If you were King David, he let him go. Guys, listen. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. It's giving up my right to retaliate and get even. David just, David just said, I'm not going to execute Shimei. He made a horrible mistake. But let's move forward. And that's a good story. But it's not the end of the story. There's a third reference I want to share with you about Shimei. And this time it's in 1 Kings chapter 2 which gives evidence to David's failure to move forward. So we said there's good and bad with David, right? We've looked at the good. Now it's about to turn a little sour. Some time has passed here, and David is failing to move forward at the end of his life. Look at it in 1 Kings 2. Years later now, and David is on his deathbed. And what he's doing on his deathbed is he's giving to his son Solomon some final instructions. And look what he tells him in 1 Kings 2, in verse 8. He says, Solomon, and remember Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Behurim in Benjamin. He cursed me with a terrible curse as I was fleeing to Mahanaim. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, I swore by the Lord that I wouldn't kill him. But that oath does not make him innocent. You're a wise man, Solomon, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. And then David died and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. What in the world happened? I mean, what in the world happened to David here? He's getting even with Shimei on his deathbed. Guys, I've heard of people completely cutting off their rebellious children just out of their will at the midnight hour due to their ungratefulness or they're out in wild living, just partying all the time. They just cut them out of the will right before death. And I don't think that's getting even, but it's definitely sending a message, isn't it? I read about a widow in Vermont who put the following epitaph on her husband's headstone. It said on the headstone, rest in peace until I get there. Guys, listen, there are some people who just can't let things go. 
I mean, they can't move forward. They have got to get even someday. And David here on his deathbed remembers Shimei's arrogance for the rest of his life. He's thinking about it. And on his deathbed, he says, I promised I wouldn't kill him. But you didn't make that promise, Solomon. And you're a smart young man. You know what to do. Get even. Guys, that tells me that not all wounds heal with time, do they? They just don't. You know, time can worsen a wound if it gets infected. Resentment is an infection of our spirit. We can forgive someone, and then we can remember it years later and get all emotional again, can't we? And so listen, forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. This is not something we do once and then it's over with. we got to continually do it. Jesus even said that. He said that sometimes you and I will have to forgive people 490 times. Seven times seven. Sometimes we may have to just continually forgive even for the same offense. Maybe that's why Jesus taught us to pray every day. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We need to pray it every day. Guys, after David died, Solomon didn't immediately execute Shimei. No, he was a wise man. He, he knew his father's heart, and he also knew his heavenly father's heart. And so what he does here is he kind of puts Shimei on house arrest. He told him that he couldn't leave Jerusalem. And then what happened? He had to stay in Jerusalem, but three years later... Shimei has two slaves that run away outside of the city. And the man who had been given, forgiven so much by King David and by King Solomon, he can't forgive. He can't forgive those two slaves who ran away. And he's so angry that he forgets the terms of his parole, forgets all about it. He goes outside the city to chase after them. And when he does and violates the restriction... Solomon has him killed. So you hear those stories and think, well, that's all great, but how does that apply to my life today? I'm glad you asked. If you struggle with ongoing resentment against someone, I want to share with you this morning just, just a few suggestions from this story about how to release resentment. I think we've all been there. Okay, so I just want to share with you a few things about how you and I can release resentment from, from David's life here. The first one is this. Don't be easily offended. Don't be easily offended. For some people, the slightest thing or comment that you say to them, and they're hurt for their entire life. Met people like that? I mean, they'll say things to you. I mean, you ain't sp spoken to them in months. You thought everything was okay. And a year later, they're like, yeah, it was on a Friday night, and you were in town, and you didn't even call. Whoa. Or you drove right past me and didn't even wave. So I just said I'll never talk to them again. You never even sent me a text. You didn't make a social media post on National Daughter's Day or Son's Day. You didn't even make a post. And they don't speak to you for months. You, you didn't even remember my name when I saw you last time. You misspelled my name. I sneezed and you didn't even say God bless you. I mean, it's on and on and on. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but toughen up. Toughen up. Don't always wear your feelings on your sleeve. David didn't. 
And I think one of the advantages of growing up in a large family or being even in a leadership position is that we learn to develop some tough skin. We're not so easily hurt, and we don't let offenses just pile up. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. That's what the Bible says, okay? The second thing is this. Expect people to be imperfect. We always say it, right? Well, nobody's perfect. No, they're not. Expect people to be imperfect. The scriptures say that there's no one righteous, not even one. So we should not put other people up on some kind of pedestal. People are not good or bad necessarily. We're all sinners. Now, some people are level two sinners like David and the Apostle Paul. Others are level nine sinners like Shimei and Judas Iscariot. But nobody is perfect. I mean, we have got to give people some space to make mistakes. We've got to be realistic. People screw up. All of us do. So let's not hold grudges forever. And listen, if you want to establish long-term friendships, you better have a short memory. Okay, if you want friends that are going to last the long haul, you better have a short memory because the scriptures say that love keeps no record of wrongs. The third suggestion I would give you is this. Deal with the offense early. Deal with it early. Jesus said in Matthew 5 to settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Because listen, if you don't, it's going to be more complex, it's going to be more expensive, and it's going to be costly for you. The longer you and I wait to confront an issue, the more we are inclined to exaggerate the problem if we can't release it. So don't be that guy. Don't be that person who says, you know what? Six months ago, you said something to me or you did something, and, and I was going to talk to you about it, but I didn't, and, and I've just been waiting to, to talk to you ever since. You're going to unload on them. It's not going to go well. Yeah, five years ago, let me tell you what you did five years ago. Don't do that. The scriptures say, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Stay up and talk it, up, talk it out. Fight it out if you have to, okay? Just, just stay up as long as you need and take care of it. The chances of reconciliation are much better if we deal with it early. Fourth thing is this. Understand that forgiveness is for our sake. It's for our sake. Many people struggle to forgive because they think as long as they don't forgive that they've got the upper hand on them. They think they're doing the offender a favor by forgiving them. But guys, listen, forgiveness is more for the person who is harboring resentment. You've heard the quote before. It says, bitterness does more damage in the container in which it's stored than on the object on which it is poured. When we truly forgive someone, we will feel a load lifted. We will begin to walk lighter. We will be freer than when we hold on to those things for days, weeks, months, and years. Fifth thing is this. This is a big one in my life. Remember how much you've been forgiven. When you're struggling to forgive somebody, remember how much that you have been forgiven. 
I read about one little boy who was praying the Lord's Prayer, and he messed it all up. And he said this. He said, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Okay? But you know, the truth is, we've all got trash in our baskets, don't we? That, that we want God to throw out. And you know what? I think that's probably what was on King David's mind when he forgave Shimei. He, he may have been thinking about how God had forgiven him concerning his sin with Bathsheba. You know, people who've received mercy are much more likely to show mercy to other people when needed. You know, the top two reasons for kind of emotional instability are this. The failure to receive forgiveness and the failure to forgive. That's it. And that's why the scriptures say in Ephesians 4.2, it says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here it is. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just as God has forgiven us. Sixth thing is this. We need to hop off the judgment seat and hop onto the mercy seat. That's what we need to do. David did not allow his military leaders to retaliate against Shimei. He said, maybe the Lord sent him. I don't know. He said, said, maybe God is bringing judgment against me. The jury's still out on this one. Let's just wait and leave it up to God. In Romans 12, verse 17, it tells us, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Revenge will be taken. It's just not for you and I. Leave it to God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So let God do his thing. Get out of the way. You know, years ago when Abby was in high school uh, and she was still on our car insurance, she was at a red light there by the Hope Clinic and she got rear-ended from a guy uh, from Tennessee with no insurance. And when we took him to court, the judge said to me, he said, Mr. McKinney, come up here to the bench. So I go up there and he takes off his robe and he puts it on me and he tells me to sit in his chair. And then he gave me the gavel. And he said, listen, whatever fine you decide is fair for this man is what he's going to have to pay. Do you believe that story? I don't either, okay? <laughs> Except for the fact that Abby really did get in a wreck and was rear-ended by a driver with no insurance. But listen, no judge, no matter how persuasive the argument, is going to allow us, you and I, to administer justice. No, we just make our case to the judge, and then the judge renders the verdict, doesn't, doesn't he or she? That's how it works. Now, we may be 100% in the right. We truly may be the victim here of injustice, but it's not our job to even the score. Our job is just to talk to God about the person and let God deal with them. That's our job. Guys, I'm telling you, there's so much freedom in releasing resentment and just trusting in the Lord to administer justice. I heard it said, uh, I heard it said this one time, it said, God may not balance the books every Friday, 
but he will balance the books. It may not be in our timing, but he's going to take revenge in his way. And when we try to get even, whether it's just by ignoring somebody or whether it's going after them with a loaded gun, we are trying to do God's job and we're showing that we have no faith in God and his promise to repay or take revenge. That's what we're doing. Saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe what you said in your word, so I'm going to take care of it. That's what we're saying when we do that. Seventh thing is this. Show kindness to whoever you're struggling to forgive. I know that's tough, but show kindness to whoever you're struggling to forgive. The scriptures say it. It says, if your enemy is, is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. That's showing kindness. And I realize that's the exact opposite of our human nature, but it is the prescription for getting rid of bitterness that lies within some of us. So encourage that person. Pray for them. Maybe just send a text, that, that just being thankful, or do something to help that person's family. Romans 12, 14 says, to bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. No, pray that God will bless them. Okay, I didn't write it, I just read it. That's what God says to do. Last thing I'll leave you with is this. Be big enough to forgive. Be big enough to forgive. You know, one of the reasons that you and I are reluctant to forgive is because we think it makes us feel like the smaller person. But just the opposite is true. You know, our heroes in life are people who were big enough to forgive. We don't read this story that we covered this morning and look at Shimei and, who, you know, and, and look at him and just applaud him, do we? We don't think, man, what a great guy. The courage to throw stones at the king. What a great guy. No, we think, what a jerk. What a jerk. But on the flip side of that, on the other hand, we admire King David for his grace in forgiving Shimei. We, we read that story, we read David's side of it, and we go, wow, what an incredible man. What an incredible man. William Arthur Ward said this. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like man when we judge. And we are most like God when we forgive. You know, guys, forgiveness is not easy. It's difficult. But forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. Forgiveness isn't later. No, it should happen now. So can I just encourage you this morning, if you've never been forgiven for your sins, if you've never allowed Jesus, the ultimate grace giver and sin forgiver, the only one capable to die for our sins so that you and I could be free and forgiven forever. If you've never accepted him, as your Lord and Savior, trusted him to save you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for you. That you would just finally surrender, wave the white flag and say, God, I'm in. I'm in. I want to do life your way. I want to follow you with my whole heart. I'm sick of being on the fence. I'm in. Guys, the truth is none of us are promised tomorrow. Make the decision today. So in the next few moments, those of us who've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're going to take communion together. 
and the band's going to play, and the ushers are going to come around with some bread, which just represents the body of Jesus. And then they're going to have a little cup of juice, which, which represents the blood of Jesus. And for those of you who are Christians, would you just spend a, a few moments remembering? Would you just remember what he did for you on the cross? How he sacrificed his life so that we could live with him forever? And you know, you may be sitting here this morning like, what is this? You know, like, I'm just checking this, this whole church thing out. I'm not even really sure if I am a, a Christian or not. Listen, if that's you, I want you to know we are so glad that you're here. But during these next few moments, please, please feel free to just let the tray pass on by and just think about some of the things that you've heard today, okay? So, so let's take communion together, and after a few minutes, the band will have us stand and sing our last song together, okay? Wow, we hope that encouraged you and will push you to know Jesus better. There's no better life than the life that is completely dependent on God. Be sure to check back each week for new podcasts from 3SC.